Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, it's me Danko with you on Market View. Now let's quickly get you up to speed with what's happening in the markets. Asia Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning with Japan up by 0.19%, Korea is down 0.77% and Australia is in the red at 0.82%. Now this follows a bout of selling over on Wall Street as recession fears mounted and investors worried time is running out for a year-end rally. The Dow Jones Industrial Average shed 0.5% to close in at 32,757 points. The S&P 500 fell 0.9% to finish at 3,817 points. And the Nasdaq Composite shed 1.5% to finish off at 10,546 points. Now, last night's, performance, last night's performance also marked the fourth consecutive day of losses for all three averages. And the move follows another down week for stocks after, after the Federal Reserve delivered a 50 basis point short-term interest rate hike and signaled higher for longer rates. Investors will be watching for a few earnings reports that's due later this week. And FedEx and Nike are also both scheduled to report earnings results later today after the market closes. And as recession fears mount, earning results will become more of a focus as of now. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Now, Danco is not alone in the studio. We are joined by the dividend titan himself, Willie King. Willie, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm great, man. Raushan, good morning to you, Dan, too, as well. Good morning. Good great morning. to have both of you on the show. Dan, you want to take over? All right, yes. So, um, the first thing that we're going to talk about today, you know, that's caught our attention would be Amazon. And just last night, the e-retailer's shares dropped 3.4% to $84.92. And that's the lowest close since March 16th of 2020. And that was uh, just during the pandemic. And Amazon has fallen sharply this year amid a broader tech sell-off tight to mm. soaring inflation, a worsening economy and rising interest rates. And for the first time in nearly two decades, the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite is also set to lose the S&P 500 in consecutive years. As of today, Trillions of dollars have been wiped out from tech stocks. You know, we are seeing all across the sectors, shares of Amazon tumbling 49% in 2022. And then, you know, we've also got Meta, who's experiencing one of its worst years, mm. down 66%, and followed by Tesla at 57%. And Amazon follows right after at 49%. Worrying times. It is certainly very, very worrying times. And it, it's a marked reversal from 2020 when, you know, we witnessed tech stocks experiencing their rally, you know, amid unprecedented online demand. Mm. Amazon saw a rush of orders from consumers at the height of the pandemic as many avoided trips to physical stores and turned to the web for essential and non-essential goods. And you know things started to change. I mean, you're seeing people going out, you're seeing people shopping, mm. hanging out, traveling abroad and you know, as e-commerce companies, they you know, they had to go through this tough period of, you know, year-on-year comparisons and the economy started to reopen. People returning to physical stores, this proved to be quite an issue for tech stocks as mm. well. Mm. And by early of this year, higher costs Costs tied to inflation, supply chain constraints, and the war in Ukraine generated further pressure on Amazon and other tech companies. So, for Amazon itself, the challenges go much deeper. It's also contending with slower growth in its core retail business, and the company has been forced to scale back after its historic expansion during the pandemic, which is also what we're seeing a lot all across the various sectors. Like mm. yesterday, we talked about banks. You know, mm. Goldman Sachs was eliminating about. 4,000 jobs coming this January. So, Willie, do you think mm. this presents a good opportunity for investors to jump in, you know, especially ahead of this fest- festive season? 
I think there are two things which I'll be looking at here. You know, if we have to split up um, Amazon itself, I mean, one is looking at the price and the other one is looking at the value of the business. Mm. I mean, like what you have mentioned then, recently, the, the reason why there's this tech sell-off, number one is really because of the rate hike, um, which was uh, uh, hiked by the Fed chairman Paul last week by 0.5%. And really because um, tech stocks or tech businesses, you know, they, number one, they tend to borrow a lot of money. So an increase in interest rate could actually affect um, the amount of interest they have to pay on their borrowings. And at the same time, um, for all these tech companies, you know, the valuation of these uh, companies or these stocks are really driven by the future cash flow which they make. So an mm. increase in interest rate would affect the value of the future cash flow which they could actually potentially collect, you know, from the next 20 to 30 years. Right. So in this case here, right, in terms of opportunities, if you see, if you look, look at it from a trading or tactical point of view, you know, it would be a bit more volatile here because you see that there are negative sentiments or not really positive news here for tech companies. Mm. Because number one, earlier this year or a couple months back, you are hearing about many tech companies freezing their headcount and also some of them lowering their headcount staff. So there's one um, potential news there. Another one is of course, the slowdown in their growth. Um, if you see for Amazon, you know, they recently reported that they're expected to reduce their growth, their, their sales and their their profit growth as well. So in the short term, you know, if you're looking from a trading point of view, uh, this is something which I will be more wary about, mm. right? Because if you see, you know, with, with all this negative headlines coming out you know in the markets this is something which could be a concern but yep. on the other hand right if you see Amazon as a business right if we move away from looking at the price or the shares if we look at it from a business point of view Amazon has been one of the biggest, if not the biggest, e-commerce player in the US. And, you know, they generate a lot of, they gush a lot of cash flow every single year. I mean, like what you said earlier then, right? People are right now shopping through e-commerce. They're buying stuff. And I'm not mm. sure, Raushan, do you actually uh, buy things Christmas online or do you walk on shops these days? I do right. tend to shop online. I use Christmas as an excuse, but I do find myself <laughs> shopping online quite a bit. But I take Dan's point though, because during the pandemic, you find yourself leaning towards that mode of shopping a lot more. Mm. But now that we are moving on for the pandemic, I think I speak for majority when I say, I want to go out now. I want to have the physical experience. So maybe that's why there's a whole change in trend in terms of how people are shopping. Yeah, so... At the same time, you know, on one hand, you have these people going out into brick and mortar stores. But if you see on the other hand, right, mm. people who would actually still look at it both ways, right? They will still shop on the physical stores, yeah. but at the same time, they will also still do their clicking, mm. you know, in their bedroom, in front of the, in front of the computer, because the yeah. consumer uh, behavior towards spending has actually changed. And this has really caused the, sort of the rise of all these big e-commerce players. And mm. Amazon is one of them, which is actually riding on this trajectory of, you know, the future of shopping yeah. online. Mm. So this is a company where, you know, they, they are really gash, gushing, you know, mm. cash flow. And as, as a business, this is something which, as a long-term investor, mm. you know, I will be more interested, you know, when prices are dropping at a discount. Right. So talking about discounts, you know, we talked about US stocks being overly valuated before, especially in back in 2022 as well. Mm. And, you know, now that it's fallen more than close to 50%, especially for Amazon. So let's take a broader look at the tech sector itself. And there's a saying by Warren Buffett that goes, be greedy when others are fearful. <laughs> Is this the time? Is this the period where it's relevant to us? Yeah, so 
again, right, then I, th- I think it really depends, right? If you are a long-term investor, I think this is something where it's really interesting to be looking at because you mm. are looking at big companies uh, trading at a discount, right? Um, you are looking at Amazon, you know, where the, the shares have came off at least 50% mm. from a year before. And you have the other FANG stocks as well, you know, which have also shared, you know, more than 40 to 50% of their their value. share prices. Mm. Exactly. So this is something where as long-term investors, as, you know, what with what Warren Buffett would say, you know, when be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. So this could be a an interesting um, segue or opportunity mm. to be looking at. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent quote. I love it. Be greedy <laughs> when others are fearful. Now let's move it on slightly elsewhere around the world. We are seeing the EU agreeing to limit natural gas prices in an effort to combat the energy crisis. Dan, a question to you. Talk to us about this latest decision and what it means for consumers. Yep, that's right. And just yesterday, the European Union energy ministers agreed to a dynamic cap on natural gas prices after two months of intense negotiations. And introducing a limit on gas prices has proved, you know, over the months to be quite controversial for European officials. While many EU member states have argued that the measure is essential to bring down sky-high energy costs, Mm. others have worried about the potential market implications it may have from the policy itself. So energy ministers also overcame their differences and they finally agreed to what they're calling a market correction mechanism. And it will automatically activate under two conditions – First, if front-month gas contracts exceeds €180 per megawatt hour on a Dutch title transfer facility for three working days in a row, and second, the price is €35 higher than a reference price for liquid natural gas on global markets for the same period. So the measures will apply from February of next year, the 15th of February, and when it applied, it will set a dynamic bidding limit on natural gas futures transactions for 20 working days. Yes, this deal also resolves what had been one of the EU's biggest disputes over energy policy since the crisis began. You know, a group of nations led by Germany, the bloc's largest economy, the Netherlands and Denmark, they called, you know, they were calling for an, a cautious approach to avoid too much market intervention. Meanwhile, a faction of Belgium, you know, a faction including Belgium, Italy, Greece and Poland, they were pushing for a more aggressive tool to contain gas prices. So it's good to see that, you know, now that the EU has collaborated and found an agreement to step ahead and to see what they can do to help maintain energy prices as well. So here's a question to think about, Willie. What are your thoughts on this quote-unquote dynamic cap on natural gas prices? And will this mechanism be enough in facilitating a correction if, let's say, natural gas prices are to soar again? Mm, I think um, on one hand, I mean, this this really goes in counterintuitive to how the world is actually trying to push down inflation because on one hand, gas prices or energy prices are actually one of the biggest drivers of inflation. I mean, if mm. you look into the US, they are also trying to actually lower energy prices, right? You're look, talking about brand crude, for example, because a large part of their economy makes, still makes use of oil, right? If you see cars on the roads today, um, they are still really largely on driven by oil by fuel. And on the other hand, if you see here in the EU, um, this energy crisis really stems from the whole war in Ukraine, right? So, and this this could actually put consumers at the back, you know, in terms of inflation because inflation at the end of the day is really driven by some of this energy crisis. And this could actually um, cause some headaches or some challenges for consumers in the EU. And this could very well affect the decisions where some of this pol- the government officials could uh, make the decisions on interest rates uh, movements. Mm. 
Yep, certainly something to keep an eye out on and we will be keeping an eye out on that for Money FM 89.3. So be sure to tune in to Money FM all the time for all the latest. Now, if you're just joining us, Market View with Willie King and Dan Co. We've talked about various different things, but there's one thing I've been itching to talk about all morning long, and that's <laughs> the news of Elon Musk. Yet again, in the news, it's official. The majority of the Twitter community wants Elon Musk to step down. Surprise, surprise. Dan, why don't you walk me through the details of how it's come to this? Yes, that's right. And just at the start of the show, you mentioned, you know, Elon Musk, he tweeted just yesterday that he tweeted a poll to ask users whether he should step down as the head of the social media site. And with the poll set to end at about 6.20am in New York, around 57% of the 16 million voters have said yes. And based on his pledge, the billionaire owner of Twitter and chief executive officer of Tesla will have to abide by the results of the poll. And three of the top trending topics, in fact, overnight on in the US were about the platform itself, including vote yes and quote-unquote CEO of Twitter. Mm. Well, you know, even amidst all these news and, you know, the possibility of Elon Musk stepping down, there is still no clear replacement at Twitter, mm. with Musk even adding in, in later tweets that, quote-unquote, no one wants the job who can actually keep Twitter alive, and there is no successor. And he also added that it has been a fast, in the fast lane to bankruptcy since May. So, you know, the threat that Twitter might veer into financial difficulties has been quite a constant, especially during Musk's tenure, who in his first address to his employees in November said a bankruptcy was a possibility if it doesn't start generating more cash. So, Willie, what then <laughs> does this mean for the future of Twitter? And does this spell good news for Tesla itself? Mm. To answer the first question, I mean, it's pretty scary here because you are looking at about $13 billion of debt, which mm. actually Twitter actually take on mm. and Musk, uh, when Elon Musk actually bought over the company. And I, I think that's actually scary because number one, even though Twitter has managed to grow its platform, right, to about hundreds of millions of users but they're also still struggling with the profitability of the company. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, a large part of the business has been in advertising. So getting advertisers to place their ads on the platform itself but ever since Elon Musk has, has took over the the the, the social media company, a lot of the advertisers are slowly pulling out. And this is actually quite scary in the sense where, on one hand, you have a huge amount of debt which they need to service for Twitter. But on the other hand, you know, they are also trying to keep in touch with the advertisers, trying to keep them in for mm. the advertisers, while at the same time trying to manage um, the employees in Twitter as well. And for the users to want to vote um, Elon Musk out, I, I think it sort of speaks some volume of what Elon Musk is really doing to the company, mm. you know, not just within the Twitter team itself, but also the impact for the users too. So it could actually spell some headwinds or challenges for Twitter because don't forget, you know, if let's say the users are not really happy with how, you know, the the chief executive or the management runs the whole platform, we could very well see some of these users moving out to another platform. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, social media platforms, the thing about them, while they are able to attract millions and millions of people on the platform very quickly, but they could also cause users to actually move from one platform to another Excellent just point. as quickly Excellent as, point. as well. I mean, if you see last time, you know, from the likes of MySpace, mm. Friendster, Friendster, High Five. As well, High Five, <laughs> yes, exactly, right? 
right? So there could be some um, withdrawals of these mm. users mm. and it could actually cause a sort of a spiraling effect for Twitter itself because they still have that fixed cost of debt which they still have to manage. Mm. Mm. I think it blows my mind that he's been in charge of Twitter for 53 days <laughs> and in that 53 <laughs> days the the chaos that has ensued is is quite something to watch but from an investor's perspective would you want to take on 13 billion dollars worth of debt I'm not so sure uh, Willie there's a second part to that question yeah. that uh, Dan wanted to ask you does this then possibly spell good news for Tesla because that's volatile as well yeah I mean on first glance I mean for sure right if let's say if Elon Musk exits uh, from Twitter as a CEO mm. he could very well put more time time on Tesla itself but then again right because it's very hard to say because things are not as simple as sometimes as you see on the surface because mm. if let's say Tesla steps down right he could be like what you have you have discussed earlier he, he could be placed on top of as, as an advisor and the CEO could possibly just be a title for its sake mm. right Elon Musk could still put his poise time mm. and efforts in still trying to influence how the company is run from the behind the scenes <laughs> mm. right to so, be fair, I'll be worried if someone like Elon Musk is lurking behind every decision I make. <laughs> it would be quite worrying to have him as the go-to man to report. But yeah, I, I take your point completely. He might still be there. Then, just very quickly, final question on this topic, right? Mm. Do you think Elon Musk, I touched on it there, 53 days in charge, it's a problem of trying to do too much too soon almost that's caused this chaos in Twitter? Yes, most certainly as well. And I think... Willie really rightly mentioned yesterday as well that he's handling a lot of different sectors. Mm. We're talking about EV, we're talking about outer space, and we're talking about social media. So obviously, you can't really find a lot of relevance to each of them. Mm. And as much as Elon Musk is a capable man, mm. that's not we can't deny that. Mm. But I think the fact that he has got so much on his plate and he is putting too much attention onto one of them instead and compromising the, the operations of what's happening in Tesla, what's happening in SpaceX as well. So that's definitely going to have an impact on its overall business and his reputation as the world's richest man as well, right? Yeah. As we've seen in recent days. So yes, I do believe that stepping down as the head of Twitter might be better for him. Perhaps he could still oversee some levels of operations as mm. the advisor. But I think that his focus should still go back to where shareholders are waiting for him, yep. Tesla. Yep. There's plenty to keep a lookout for and try and uh, speculate about what happens. One thing you don't have to speculate though is that Elon Musk will be on Market View tomorrow. He'll still be <laughs> trending as a topic, I'm sure. Now let's switch our tech slightly back home. We're currently about 26 minutes into the local trading day. And yesterday, the Straits Times Index closed higher by 0.49% at 3,256 points. Dan, how is the STI performing today? Mm, and it looks, like, uh, it looks like Singapore is continuing its second day rally. Singapore is the Straits Times Index is up by 0.11% and is currently trading at 3,260 points. Mm. Thank you for that. Then now let's wrap up Market View with one of my favourite segments, Up or Down. It's all the more fun having Dan and Willie play this together. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, it's your time <laughs> to shine excited. as well. <laughs> now we're going to be playing a game of Up or Down. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you already know how this one works. I'll be picking a stock. Dan and Willie will be saying if it's Up or Down. Listeners, have your hand at it as well. First one, ESR logo reads. Dan. ESR logos reads. This will be... And up for me because they will be divesting an aerospace training facility for $7.1 million. And that's a 4.8% premium to its valuation. So certainly some positive news here, gaining some profits back. I'm going to go with an up. Dividend Titan, do you agree? Yeah, so 
just to touch on to Dan's point, right? So the thing about ESR Logos Read is an industrial read. And industrial reads, interestingly, right, um, is a bit different from the other other sectors, other REIT sectors, because a lot of their properties, um, they sit on very short-term land leases. Mm. So if you think about it, um, JTC only allows up to 30 years of leases for some of these industrial properties. After 30 years, the property and the land itself goes back to the government. So in this case, right, for industrial properties, what you want, right, is to not hold all the way to 30 years. Sometimes, mm. you know, if price is right, you will want to actually sort of monetize or recycle some of this capital mm. and redeploy into other longer leases industrial properties and in this case for ESR logo they, they are able to actually sell one of their properties which is the aerospace training facility mm. at a premium which means that you know they are able to actually monetize it because if you think about it this aerospace training facility is about 8 years old and has around a short remaining lease of around 19 years left so there's, mm. th- there isn't really much lease there but they are able to actually monetize it so this is definitely an up for me Okay mm. that's two ups to get us started for ESR Logos Read Now let's move it on to number two Keppel Land Keppel Land Alright this one is going to be an up for me as well because Keppel Land, a subsidiary of Keppel Corporation, they will be divesting its entire stake in rental apartment operator Shanghai Fengwo Apartment Management mm. for about 151 million Singapore dollars. The group expects to gain about 135 million yuan following the sale, which is expected to be completed you know, by the end of this year. And they will also no longer be part of its subsidiaries after the divestment. So Keppel has said that the sale is in line with its Vision 2030 to of asset monetization plans and that would unlock capital which can be channeled through towards new growth opportunities as well. So it does present a good news for Capital. so I'm going to go with an up for them. Mm. I think Capitaland has sort of sharpened their focus ever since they have reorganized their business. So mm. they have split up their Capitaland development business and the Capitaland investment business. So in this case, the Capitaland investment business, like what you said, then you know they are actually raising money um, to actually partner up with uh, some of their key partners to invest uh, in Asia as well. So they have also set up a logistics fund. So this really comes in line with them setting up or growing their assets under management to build more properties and mm. then from those properties be able to actually monetize it or operate it. So this is an up for me. Mm. Okay, final one. Capital Land Investment. Capital Land Investment. All right, this one is definitely going to be an up for me as well because Capital Land Investment has partnered with a Thai real estate developer, Pruksa Holding PCL, and Taiwanese logistics property developer, Ally Logistics Property to set up a $1 billion logistics fund. And CLI will be the fund's manager. They would be leveraging its well-established global REITs platform, fund management expertise and local operating presence to quote-unquote provide the fund a competitive advantage in deal sourcing, investment and execution. So certainly some good news here in the REITs sector. I'm going to go with an up for this one. Yep, so this is also an app for me where they're able to actually monetize. I mean, like um, ESR logos and Capital Land Investment, they are able to actually sell, uh, monetize some of some of their stakes in some of these assets or these properties, especially at a time, you know, where if you look across um, property sectors, you know, despite higher interest rates, you also have, you know, a an increase in property value. So I guess this is a good time to sort of monetize or divest some of the properties um, with some of these um, property investors have. So this is an up for me. Mm. Very, very interesting. Now, Danko, Willie King, thank you 
so much for your time this morning on Market View. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that and found that useful. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.